some of the experiences that fans sent in to us um, about how they've been affected by the Defensive Behaviour of Football Act and I'm sure listening to those you'll maybe get some idea of just how big an effect it's had on some football fans' lives up and down Scotland. Now Ella I also spoke to Andrew Jenkins he is from Supporters Direct Scotland, that's an organisation that is affiliated to various fan groups across the country and he explained why his organisation has been opposed to the legislation as an organisation um, formed a working group that was going to look at a, a number of different issues within Scottish football. Um, obviously the most prominent over the last couple of years has been the Offensive Behaviour Act. Um, and we had undertaken a few consultations with supporters through the, the national survey that we run, um, just asking fans for their views on it, which is how we form all of our policy as an organisation. Uh, and, and the stance has been pretty clear, which is that um, fans don't believe the Offensive Behaviour Act is, is fair on supporters um, and the majority don't believe it's actually been effective in working either so that's been our stance ever since. The, the, as I say, the survey results that we um, got back from fans which was, you know, the survey completed by 13,000 supporters which I think is quite a representative sample not just of Scottish football but actually of Scottish society as well um, and that was... Um, pretty conclusive in that fans don't believe that it's fair um, it's been proven very unpopular and I think that that's actually the biggest argument is that you know that some, some of the um, people that are in favour of the act would say well it's actually had a you know positive effect and but actually there's no there's no evidence to suggest that at all so it was good to get these survey results to actually kind of drum that home and actually you know propose quite the opposite so what do you think the motivation behind the legislation is um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know, to be honest, I mean, the, the OBA for us is, is, is a difficult one in some respects because I don't think anyone disagrees with what it is trying to do, which is obviously tackle unacceptable behaviour. I don't think anybody wants to see that in Scottish football. But what we are conscious and aware of is, is how you go about doing that and, and you know, legislating fans. Um, when other people and other parts of society aren't legislated against is, is really unfair. Um, so that was kind of our overarching policy was we don't believe in football-specific policies. So whilst I couldn't sort of perhaps talk about the, the motives for, for bringing it in, I kind of understand um, what they're trying to do, but you know, I think everyone would just disagree with the way it's been done. Now, do you believe that football fans are treated differently to fans of other sports in Scotland? Yeah, I think I think. Fans, football fans are treated uh, differently. I think they're viewed differently as well. Um, I think they're portrayed in the media differently. Um, and I think we even tweeted out something last week. It was a, an article that said something like uh, the amount of football fans arrested, you know, for every 100,000 is minimal compared to the amount of people that get arrested at Glastonbury. So, you know, the, the fact that people that go to concerts don't get as, as bad rap as, as football supporters, um, clearly there's something there which is, is, is perhaps about a uh, status thing um, 
a social caste thing. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, clearly football fans are treated differently and and legislated against differently as well, which is our kind of biggest bugbear. And you know, even if you look at Scottish football, you know, most clubs can't stand, um, you can't drink. Um, there's all sorts of things that you can't do, and I think Scottish football is one of the most legislated against um, aspects of society probably anywhere in Europe. Now, some people see this act as a driving force between the kind of loss of trust between fans and the authorities. How do you believe the match day experience can be improved for fans going forward? Yeah, I think um, I think you're right in that um, you know the, the kind of, perhaps some of the methods and some of the tactics employed perhaps actually get a, a worse response from supporters. They probably aggravate supporters more. Um, and make them feel um, like they're being badly treated or mistreated in some way. So I think that actually has an adverse effect on it. And I think that, you know, we, we want to try and get away from that and get to a position where everyone's kind of on the same page. There's good engagement, there's good dialogue between um, police and supporters, um, and everyone can just go to the game and enjoy the game for what it is. Um, you know, I, I appreciate it's probably going to be more difficult than that, and, and, and um, police police got to may say something different about that but I think that's the place we need to try and get to And just lastly how big a victory do you think this will be if the act is repealed as we expect it to be next week Yeah absolutely massive and I think you know huge huge kudos to um, to, to the guys that have been behind that um, you know anti-gas criminalisation I think it's a huge case study and an example of what can happen if you get football fans together um, and, and put together a real campaign and it said to me that actually, you know, this is perhaps just the first step that actually fans together could do lots of good stuff towards improving Scottish football. Um, and that, you know, that doesn't necessarily just need to be about legislation, but that could be about ticket prices as well. So, yeah, it said to me um, that there's a huge um, potential with, within the fan base that they can come together, but absolutely massive credit to, to the guys involved in, 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 uh, in demonstrating that in this case. And that was Andrew Jenkins explaining why he and his organisation are opposed to the legislation. Now, Sean, we heard a little bit there about some of the fans' experiences um, who have been caught up in this, who have been through the criminal justice system um, because of this legislation. Can you tell us a little bit about any cases that you're aware of, um, yeah, of, of how fans of have been affected? Uh, well, firstly, I've been affected by it. I was arrested uh, during a Hamilton Mother game in 2014 um, for allegedly... Uh, shouting, swearing and gesticulating a manner lately to cause public disorder I think was the entire charge um, I was subsequently banned uh, or, or through bail conditions I was banned I think I had five different court appearances before finally at the end of May 2015 was found not guilty um, so I've obviously had experiences of it within that a wee bit of harassment from the police I think that the period we played Motherwell at New Year that year they appeared at my door three times in one day trying to get me just to tell me not to go to the game despite the fact that I had bail conditions that stipulated I couldn't go to the game so they, they, even for people who are banned or are on bail conditions and, they, and when I said I'm on bail they said I, I, we know that and they had my face and they had my name and address um, on a sheet of paper where they were going around numerous doors um, to, to obviously notify people um, so it, it, there is a bit of harassment even for people who are currently going through the process they're harassed um, as I say uh, obviously, uh, I had had an interaction with the criminal justice system prior to it, so I wasn't it wasn't a first time offence or anything. But um, I must say I was not guilty in the previous offence as well. Mm. Um, but basically, the um, the fact was is that 
at three police officers, in my eyes, in my personal view, lied. Absolutely 100% lied. Again, it's three police officers who tried to corroborate and come together a story that they couldn't get right. It all centred around, there was a flare on the evening. Two police officers stood next to each other. One says there wasn't a flare. One said there was a flare. The other one said he heard a flare. I don't know how you hear a flare. I've never, to this day, I don't... It was obviously in the motherland. Can you hear a flare, Denny? I don't. I've never had any involvement with flares. <laughs> um, so there's obviously uh, there's obviously things like that. that it, we, we go through other cases. There's there's Hamilton fans. Two Hamilton fans arrested in a Friday night fixture an hour and a half before kick off, almost a mile from the stadium for singing "Well, Well, Fuck Your Well." It, they only were arrested. They were only charged under the act when they admitted they were actually going to the game. They were then taken into custody. Hamilton Police Station was full. Somehow, and I still to this day don't know how this works, but they ended up in you know, prison for the weekend. Um, through, And I've only learned pretty recently that the cell they were in, actually, the light never went off. Oof. So they were stuck in a cell all weekend with, with the light not going off. Um, they then went to court on the Monday um, and they took a duty solicitor who advised them to plead guilty two young guys who'd never had any interaction with the criminal justice system were fined and banned um, it, it just ridiculous ridiculous in fact I tried to actually somebody contacted me recently to try and get some details for those two they don't come to games anymore they don't come to games anymore I don't know if they're away supporting other clubs or whatever but they don't come to games anymore and that's indicative of how this affects people um, Hamilton fan again his, his mum sleeping off a night shift Woken up by two police officers shaking her, they'd just openly walked into her house, basically looking for him. The young guy was getting arrested for shouting at the football. Um, a young man who'd never had any interaction with the criminal justice system, she's in the dead sleep. She actually, I think she'd, um, she had a blindfold on to get to sleep because she'd just off the night shift. She's woken up with two police officers shaking her and they said that they, they justified it by saying the front door was open. I they come in to check she was okay. <laughs> so don't leave your door open. It's, 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 it's how do you how do you justify that? Uh, there's, there's a case of two Alan fans singing a song about Scott McDonald. Three police officers. I was I, I was present at that trial. Three police officers who again came together for a story that, that wasn't true. They couldn't get it right. But uh, if it goes further up the chain, when you have sheriffs who are you you the guy that had bail conditions that meant he had to sign in whenever Hamilton was playing away and ended up losing loads of shifts. I remember. Yeah, there was because he, he had to go somewhere and sign in he, rather than go to his work. Uh, he, so he, he wasn't getting gone to the football, but he couldn't go to his work. Uh, he didn't stay in Hamilton. Mm. That gentleman, he stayed through uh, somewhere in Glasgow, and he had to come through and sign in at Hamilton Police Station for games. Um, during the first half and then go back um, I think sometime in the second half um, we were playing a game at Partick Thistle I think it was on a Wednesday night and he basically tried to say well I, I'm, I'm working nowhere near Mary Hill but they said no no you need to come away for your work so he to go away if he's worked through to Hamilton to sign in to come back when in actual fact after the game when he was actually then going home He's travelling by Maryhill, <laughs> travelling by, and it was just bizarre. Um, there's just some of the stuff that, that, that's came across. We've had Hamilton fans, I've heard the Hamilton fans, they just arrest them for being distinctive. They might have shouted something, and then and then it's proven not to be the case. They just drop the case. They just there's nothing we can do essentially, or, or we don't have any evidence further down the line. It's 
well I think that's an eye opener it's definitely an eye opener for myself you know hearing some of those stories because I wasn't aware of them and hopefully for some people listening as well Derek is some of those like, instances quite quite similar at Motherwell because I think we need to just reinforce yeah. the point that a lot of people in Scotland think this is about sectarianism and somehow challenging it but in actual fact fans up and down the country have been affected I think that's the thing that screams you know the problem for me is when whenever the media report this it's a sectarianism bill uh, and the offences that people are getting arrested at Motherwell and sounds like Hamilton as well are non-sectarian offences uh, Sean touched on it it's not just the people that are charged you know it's, it's the sorry not just the people that are found guilty it's people that are charged and the, the process and how long it takes and the, the effects this can have on their family and their job that, that really really is scary uh, but what I've noticed similar to Sean uh, is when you get into a court uh, and moral fans have went into courts and they're, they're young boys and they've never been involved with that process before the duty solicitors do tell you to plead guilty uh, what they'll be saying in your ear is you know you don't want to go through this you know it can you'll have to take time off your work uh, your parents won't be happy with this plead guilty and that's it all over they don't tell these these people that you know, ten years down the line you go for a job and you're not going to get it. Uh, so that that's what I've seen happen time and time again with, with people that go and watch Motherwell. It's intimidation tactics as well. Uh, there's police officers similar. I mentioned earlier on the podcast those twenty arrests at the the Motherwell Celtic game at Fir Park. I think maybe the the incident that Sean was talking about where the police came to his door uh, was the following week from that Motherwell Celtic fixture when we played Hamilton. Uh, and every single one of the the people that were arrested had the police at their door the night of that fixture, uh, saying we recommend you don't go to the game uh, a lot of these uh, people weren't in it was their parents that they were telling parents get the fright of their life why are the police at my door is my son a criminal uh, worry strikes you know and, and, and from then on it's you're not going to the football uh, this is going to affect your career and it's it's damning you know and it, it creates problematic personal relationships among families as well uh, you, yeah. even if these kids are innocent or yeah. in some cases when it's not kids you know husband and wife can be falling out mm-hmm. you know people don't want to see their, their loved ones going to the football and, and being criminalised and, and that's really really detrimental to family relationships I think it's yeah you scary. heard that on one of the, 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 the clips there the boy saying you know his family being disappointed in him and saying oh you know didn't think you were like yeah. that and he's like well, I'm no like that I didn't do anything so I it can cause a lot of I think that's yeah has been very informative hopefully for people to hear those stories and hopefully we can end in a bit more of a positive note though Paul and Jeanette because obviously next week is going to be the third and final stage in the Scottish Parliament and the repeal will go through hopefully well I mean this was a bit of a surprise for us because um, the, the what happens is after the, 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 the hearing that was the week you know the end of the um, stage two the the government then sets the program for the you know the timetable for the stage three and they went for it right away so they went for May, uh, sorry March 15th which we weren't expecting we were expecting it to be at least two or three weeks later than that so they've gone to get yeah. hopefully now just admitting it's going and wanting to get ready as quick as possible so on the 15th there will be the stage three debate that will do more uh, they can again raise amendments at that stage don't know whether they will or not um, then there will be the debate then there will be the vote um, if things go the way they did the last time then oh, and that's what we hope in fact hope for a bigger margin we hope maybe what I would like to see and I think it would be really shocking and I think quite damning the SNP as a party and this isn't a, a party thing but it, it would be damning if they all troop in having, heard, having spent all of this time listened to all of this evidence and if they all troop in and vote against this repeal bill one after the other really what they're saying is we haven't listened to anything because it just couldn't be possible that 63 people or whatever it is all 
you know, believed the same thing. It just couldn't be possible. So if they do that, what they're saying is, we didn't listen to anything. We were always going to vote this way and it wouldn't have mattered what you said and it wouldn't have mattered what we heard. Anyway, if they do that, that's what will happen. Thereafter, uh, it goes, I think it goes to the law lords, the, no, the law they, lords. They, they the, have a four-week period in which they, they send out a letter to um, the Lord Advocate gets one, people uh, like that. Like that. Um, and then we have to wait on it being sent for kind of royal assent for the, the yep, Queen to sign it. Uh-huh. Uh, on the kind of parched paper. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just getting abuse about Scotland down there and you're never like that. <laughs> Um, I'm just hoping that she keeps so some good health until she signed the bloody uh, thing. That's the, that's the well-known <laughs> British, British nationalist, well, Jeanette Finley, I think, again. The, the Green Brit, here uh, we are. Listen, all I'm, came I'm out the concerned wash. that the wee woman's still able to write at the time. Yeah. I don't know what happened here before that. But, uh, I, so, I mean, a lot of the kind of plans that we'd set out for maybe a couple of weeks afterwards have all been uh, shot to, shot yeah, to hell. Yeah, uh, having to bring forward the party. And aye, well, exactly. And I mean, you had you had promised to buy me a bottle of Mad Dog two years ago when the repeal came, so I'll be holding you to that. Uh, and I'll, I just over a week... Well, you, you did a few drinks, <laughs> but it definitely happened. Uh, so, I mean, hopefully we'll be there. We'll take a good wee crowd for yeah. We'll get to enjoy the day. Um and then hopefully we'll are you allowed to drink in the gallery I've already I've already I genuinely already asked this and I get told no yesterday or James <laughs> Kelly um, we can't have a, a, a drink in the parliament yeah. but we'll have champagne but we are uh, aside. bringing a disco bus through so well, when we leave the you've been saying this for years and all this is straight on the, the bus uh, carry it already ready <laughs> I mean but if anyone's listening as well and really wants to go they can uh, as far as I know, the kind of public tickets I think are, are kind of fully booked, as it were. But they can go through the other kind of the group bookings anyway. But as far as I know, they can request tickets through the MSP um, if they're looking to go. But, but they, they need to bring their own carriers. And some for me and you as well, I yeah, think, I uh, to enjoy ourselves. Uh, so the debate starts at half two, uh, on to five, and then the vote's called at five. Um, and there's that wee nervous minute or two that I don't know I'm going to be able to handle when it comes um, and we're, we're going to try and have a wee celebratory party as well should things go to plan the only difficulty is that it's been St Paddy's Day the next day so some of the kind of pubs and uh, yeah. maybe some so of the we'll so it, it, it's looking a bit difficult but we'll do our very best uh, and we'll keep people posted and I think we spoke about as well you're obviously away on holiday next week, Liam. Um, it's a kind of working holiday, but um, aye, okay. But I'll be on the beaches of Beirut, so well, fair enough, it. mate. <laughs> um, but I mean, what we're talking about doing is, I think we'll have like a a kind of last round up podcast before the vote next week, which will be a bit more of a kind of casual chat with myself, Jeanette, and and James Kelly. Uh, who should be able to make it and we'll keep people posted uh, ahead of the vote um, so we'll, we'll speak to people next week um, and if we have any updates regarding the party and stuff like that we can tell them then and we'll keep it um, just follow as always Fact Kill the Bill on Twitter for any updates and obviously follow it um, for the developments next week in Parliament as we'll keep you updated I'm sure either Paul or Jeanette, uh, Jeanette will be, will be on tweeting. the telly again tweeting <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also keeping an eye on what James Donnan's screensaver might be this week if Absolutely. he has get the binoculars out or not um, but that'll do us I think for this week I um, hope you've enjoyed um, listening in uh, Derek Watson thanks for joining us thanks cheers, Sean McHugh thank you thank you and Jeanette and Paul thanks again yeah, thanks. cheers mate and we'll see you all next time